Hello and welcome to another episode of the Men's Wear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker, and today I'm talking to Sam Carew, one of the co-founders for Elliott Footwear. Elliott Footwear were founded in Copenhagen and they are a brand with a minimalist approach to style and impact on the planet. They were born out of a desperate need to act and created with a heart for environmental change. Following extensive research and implementation, they launched the world's first climate-positive sneaker collection in September 2018. And we're going to get into that now. What is climate-positive? Here is Sam Carew to talk about the brand Elliott Footwear in his own words. I'm Sam. Um, Elliott Footwear is the world's first climate-positive sneaker brand. So in essence, we're the first people to tie um, climate action to, I guess, a footwear brand. So we sell um, sustainable uh, footwear to anybody that will buy. And then we offset one metric ton of CO2 emissions for every pair of shoes that we sell, Um, which sounds complicated. But what we do is that we partner with... um, climate climate partners to be able to allow us to make that claim and it's a it's a really interesting space we're in now right because we have you know we're trying to grow a brand but also have a very um cognizant eye on on climate change and how it's going to affect you know the world but definitely the footwear industry sam tell me about what is climate positive maybe you can just start there yeah okay good sign um climate positive is the word is a term we've latched onto some people use karma carbon negative uh-huh. and we prefer to um err on the side of positive <laughs> yeah you're a climate glass half full <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so um in essence what we do is that there's a there's a climate cost to everything you create. Um, and we did some analysis right at the genesis of Elliot to work out what the climate carbon cost of creating a pair of shoes is. And in our particular scenario, it was just under 200 kilograms. Um, I wonder if there's, you know, you know, speaking to other footwear partners in, and, and other brands in the future, in the past, we found that maybe the analysis was quite high. Um, but I wonder if that's because we typically run with small runs of a, um, of shoes rather than creating thousands of pairs. So we, um, our first run was 1,200 pairs. Right. So maybe the calculation is, is slightly higher because of the number of shoes we uh, creating. And the carbon cost of a pair of Elliot's like we worked out to be just under 200 grams and then we offset one metric ton which is just is over five times the amount of the carbon cost of creating a pair of shoes that's why we we use the term carbon positive so in essence we are making a positive impact on um on the footwear industry really so we have a scenario where other brands so for example other brands um can have a range of between seven and maybe like 18 kilograms for their cost of the carbon cost of their creating of their shoes. Um, and then they trying to be carbon neutral by offsetting that same amount. 
how are you typically Sam, sorry sorry to interrupt i'm just wondering how are you offsetting something if you're making something can you just tell me about the ingredients going into the equation okay so um we use four different three three different products of in our shoes four different products so a recycled um 70 recycled rubber for the soles on all our shoes um we tried looking at um 100 recycled rubber and we found that the product wouldn't last as long as we would hope it to so we we from analysis we look at owning a pair of shoes for a minimum of two years if you're wearing it every day and which people typically don't tend to do that no but lots of times people have more than one pair of shoes so they don't have to wear one specific shoe for that length of time so if you wear a pair of shoes a pair of Elliot's for every day it should last you a couple of years um but if we had used a fully 100 recycled rubber then we wouldn't have been able to um take a claim like that um because it wouldn't it, it, it would have been quite brittle so um and then we use a recycled ca recycled canvas for two of our uh, styles the uh, canvas low and the canvas high top both use recycled canvas and then we use a vegan leather which in itself is a contradiction in itself mm -hmm. um, and a vegan suede um, to create two other styles and um, both those are polymers which we're cognizant of in the desire to use less plastics going forward so as a organization we made the um decision to start with start here um and then the idea is that future generations of our shoes hopefully hopefully the next generation or at least the next generation after that will be plastic free nice okay so uh, you've you've been going for years maybe we can just dial back to the start how did you raise the capital and what was what were you kind of doing before this that you know, influenced uh, your decision to start the brand? Mm. So I, um, so two original founders that we have um, is a gentleman called Mikkel and another guy called Lars who went to school together. Um, both of them um, from Denmark, both living in Copenhagen at the time. Um, you know, like most good founder stories, they were having a beer, having a catch up, having a catch up and, um, I think Lars has been going through a, a bit of climate anxiety. It's a, I guess, a term that's coming up quite regularly now. Where you know he just had, he just had his first child, thinking of, you know, what the future looks like, and with climate change, how would we have a future for her to look? Would he have a future for her to look forward to? Um, Mikkel is a creative, and. Um, I guess just two and two together, clothes, clothing network, clothing brand seemed really, really difficult. Mm. Um, and it's only when you're in the footwear brand that you realize it's not that difficult. Right. Um, and yeah, so clothing seemed really difficult. Um, tying footwear to, you know, Lars's climate anxiety kind of, you know, came up with this, the, the idea of that is Elliot. And then, They reached out to me to say, you know, how can we help grow it? We, we, were, we 
desire to be, you know, to be a big brand, a brand that people recognize. Um, and they reached out to me to ask if I can help do that. And what were your skills? I mean, why in particular do you think they reached out to you, sir? Good question. <laughs> um, ironically, I have zero knowledge of footwear. Uh-huh. I've never worked in the footwear industry. But I guess my strength is, and I'm a good connector. I guess I, I like to talk to people. Um, I, love, I love people in general. Um, and I'm able just to kind of connect people together. That's... And yeah, it felt like it's a, you know, I was going through some stuff myself. I'd been working in a, a large consultancy. Um, they were 35 people when I first started and they grew to about 600 people while I was there um, looking after their IT department. Mm. And I went in to see my boss to say, um, we needed new staff. And he informed me that they were actually going to get, uh, get me a new boss. Um, as you can imagine, I wasn't best pleased. Mm. Um, and I guess it just felt like a time to um, to make a move. Okay. To make a move. So coincided with the conversation with Lars. Um, I left. I left the firm. I had no job to go to, and so I literally just dived into Elliot. Just decided to make it everything that I could do. And so this is the leap of faith for you. But I, I mean, been going three years, do you think it's paid off? Yeah, gosh, hundred percent. Um, I'm still not working full time on it, on Elliot. It's uh, the desire to do so in the future. Mm. Um, so I've still got a day job, but in terms of how it's going, it's, it's amazing to the opportunities that I've been able to. And this is one of the things that I'm really passionate about nobody would have given me an opportunity to do something like this because I've never done anything like this before. Mm. And a lot of times people are, you know, I guess closed mind, closed minded to thinking as other people as whole entities rather than just something they do for a job. Um, mm. Yeah. The idea no. that, no, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's, it's quite easy to pigeonhole people and we like mm. to do it, don't we? We like to put people in their place because that's how we can like, process them. Like, Understand uh, them. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. Sam, you, you mentioned that you're an IT guy. Great, you build websites or graphic design. I know where to put you in my Rolodex of in, <laughs> in my file cabinet in my mind. Um, yeah. And then when something comes up as an idea for a footwear brand, I could perhaps just go to somewhere else. Yeah, you can't it's it, it's more it's more of a calorie burner for people to try and attach different things to you they they kind of they can't compute that someone might have different skills or areas of interest other than what it might say on their linkedin profile uh, yeah yeah, yeah you that's exactly it it's exactly it. and for me now this has been a an opportunity to do something wildly different um to be able to grow in an area that I would never have had the opportunity to. Nobody would have given me a job, you know, looking after the growth of a company or um, nobody would have given me the opportunity to start a company, um, you know, to be leading a company. Um, but I'm doing it. Doing it, man. Doing it. It's been, and it's been um, just, just under three years. 
Wow. Well, congrats, mate. Uh, I should just say for the people that aren't watching, because this isn't on YouTube, my light's just gone out. So uh, <laughs> Sam is now talking to one side of my face that's lit in the dark here. Sorry about that. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll crack on. Um, Sam, talk to me a little bit about the, the design, if you will. So it's a very minimalistic, pulled back design. Um, mm. And people can find uh, the designs on elliotfootwear.com. And we'll leave links over in the show notes, Elliot with two Ts. Does the sustainability and the ingredients that go into making the trainers, do they kind of influence how the trainers have to look ultimately? Yeah. Um, In our specific instance right now, yes. Um, We would, if we had decided to um, radically change the design of the shoe, then it would have probably influenced the cost of the development and how would we would have got started so in order like you asked earlier raising the capital for elliot started off with um myself and um my one of the other co-founders lars and we then were able to create you know do the design process create the shoes create the brand um the aesthetics shoot some videos and then we launched it on indiegogo in june of 2019 and i guess then it was out in the world so out in the wild as they say Mm. so we then got to we were able to raise about thirty thousand dollars on indiegogo which paid for the first batch of shoes and then now we're in the process of selling out those pairs of shoes and then designing what I call episode two of Elliot shoes. Um, and that should be hopefully out, um, April, 2022. Nice. And what do you put the, the campaign, the success of the campaign down to? So you raised, you say 30 grand. Yeah. So that, I think we put it down to the minimalist design. We, it, it's sort of design that appeals to, I would say, most people. I think most people could wear a pair of Elliot's and be okay. Mm. You know, it's a you know, very simplistic style, very minimalist design. So, you know, they would very much transition between, um, smart wear and casual wear Mm. Um, and because they're unisex they appeal to um well pretty much anybody anyone who likes that sort of styling was that was there any incentive for people to get in early on the campaigns yeah so when we had um we had the first batch of shoes on on the campaign selling at um, eighty nine dollars, right? And now they retail at hundred and uh, well ninety nine, two ninety nine, and one hundred and forty nine. The retail prices are okay, but it, yeah, they you know typically though the reason why you have such high markups is you create we created a smaller run of shoes, so typically um, brands some brands start off with like you know, between five and 10,000 pairs of shoes. Uh, we started off with 1,200 
And so we have a small run of shoes. We have um, a, you know, limited, we had a two month period on Indiegogo to be able to raise that amount of um, capital. Okay. Well, yeah, be able to raise as much capital as you can on on the, in that two month period. Where are the shoes made? So, so between Spain and Vietnam, mm-hmm. the um, we worked with an agent based in Vietnam in in Spain who helped um, with the the actual de- you know the technical de- development of the shoes and then also, and then made in in Vietnam as well. And have you had a chance to go over to the factories and see them? Uh, how do you get your hands on the prototypes and see the process? Yeah, so good question. We had, because as you can imagine, there's been some you know, notoriety about the footwear industry in Asia. We actually sent one of our own photographers to the factory to just kind of be our eyes and ears. Um, as a brand, we try to operate in a way that can use this least amount of carbon footprint as we can. So the idea of, you know, sending, you know, three of the founders on a plane to Vietnam didn't sit well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, in 2020, obviously March happened and then no, no flying anyway. Right. And the photographer... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we had a photographer go out there, um, take images of the factories, the process, how the shoes are created, um, the um, state of uh, state of employees, state of the factory, how it treated its employees, um, and then report back to us. Um, and we felt, obviously, we you know you try and do your due diligence as much as you can when you're working with agents to find a reputable factory, but um, seen as it was the first, um, our first experience. We wanted to just double check that we had, we were comfortable with who we were making the shoes with. And are they okay with you going in and taking photos? Cause I mean, I know, especially, I mean, you're in Northampton. We were just talking offline, uh, mm-hmm. likes of name your shoe, your, your shoe company that comes out of Northampton. I'm sure everyone can name one. They won't let any tours go on. They won't let anybody into the in terms of taking photos and stuff like that because obviously this is uh, very private for them. They don't want to get imitated in any way or anything like that. Mm. So the the factory over in Vietnam, they're okay with you guys coming in and, and taking photos. Well, they were actually, um, and I guess it was one of our stipulations of of working with them. Mm. You know, as you can imagine, there are tons of manufacturers globally, um, and you can. You, you get to decide who you want to work with. Um, and it was one of our criteria to be able to be um, quite confident of who we're working with. And are you going back to them for episode two? Yeah. I like the episode thing, yeah. by the way. People normally go for seasons, but I think episodes sounds like you've got more in the tank, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there is more in the tank. You know, the desire for Elliot is to be a global brand, a globally recognized brand, a brand that people, if I'm honest, I give you my, my, my thinking of, of climate change and how it's going to be hopefully resolved. I think there's going to be a, a introduction of some sort of carbon tax on products. 
So, and that would be able to fund offset projects like we do, and um, and you know hopefully help m- move the needle towards you know a better temperature. And if that happens, then we may lose our unique selling point. So we still have to be able to create um, amazing looking shoes that stand the test of time that goes beyond um, climate change. So it's very much in our, our desire to create shoes that are still more you choose them because they're amazing and it's a additional benefit that they're carbon positive Mm. how do you think you'll lose your unique selling point is that because more people will be looking to do what you guys do to avoid the carbon Uh, well i yeah it's actually maybe i just hope they will do what we do Mm. yeah um because if if they do then we are able to make a change in, in, in that impact. Right. If more people do what we do mm. and I guess we welcome them to, to do the same, um, then there'll be a big, you know, it, so for example, in t- 2018, Nike created, I think it was just over 300 million pairs of shoes. Mm-hmm. So if they were, offsetting a ton of CO2 emissions for every pair as they sold, we would be in a, we would be in a very different place. Mm. Wow. So, I mean, so what has to happen for a tax to be introduced? Is this, it would have to be a universal tax, right? With every country signing onto it. I'd imagine. Yeah. In actual fact, it, yeah, possibly. I, and that's probably the, the bit that's really difficult to see. To, you know, in, to envision that happening. Um, there's only, I think COVID has only really been the one um, time where you've had unified countries really working towards one goal. Mm. I don't think we've seen anything like it prior. Um, and if climate change is, a, is something that, you know, COP26... Um, highlighted the desire, I guess, to to make a real dent in this. Yeah, it used to be, like, if you grew up watching films like, like me, the only thing that would unite countries would be like alien invasions, like independence. Yeah. And then you'd flash to the people, the government in China or the government over in the UK. It's like, well, what are we going to do to pull together to beat these guys? And that would be the only yeah. time you'd see them rally. <laughs> Um, but in lieu of a uh, alien invasion, we have to have a, a virus that wipes out uh, like five million. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, but climate change is something that we can all look to. Well, a lot of countries, not all of them, have, have looked towards and said yeah. we need to do something about this. Um, so exactly. let's all sit, take a seat at the table. Well, Sam, I guess you have to now really have your head in trainers, right? I guess you know pretty much everything that goes on with the anatomy of trainers. I mean, was this also like in the last three years, has this been quite a learning curve for you in terms of, uh, in terms of this brand? Yeah, completely. So I've got um, a lady working with me who's got a a history of working with Uggs and Puma and um, she's doing some stuff with Nike at the minute um, and some other smaller independent brands. 
brands, Fit Flop, and she can tell you, like, you know, you look at a trainer, you can, okay, like, there's a soul, there's a tongue, but there's so many different parts of a trainer and she's able to kind of dissect all those things. So it's been a massive learning curve for me, um, learning what all these parts are called for the start, mm-hmm. um, yeah. what they, and I don't, I couldn't even still tell you all of them right now, but um, yeah, it's a massive learning curve just to, you know, I went to a testing center recently showing how um, the, you know, how shoes are tested, you know, for durability, for temperature. Um, so this particular company, uh, Setsa, they test the technology. They create, they were the ones that created the first pair of shoes that went on the um, expedition to Everest. Um, so, you know, I can't imagine how many years ago that was, but, you know, you saw the break, you know, they they had the pair in the in the in the um, research office, and you had to cut through the pair of the shoe, seeing the lining, um, how the shoe was constructed. It's it's technically brilliant, mm. technically yeah. brilliant. So there's a lot, you know. It's been a massive learning curve for me, just getting my head on around shoes, how they created, the sampling process, the um, the way, you know, the way you test things before you have, you know, before the materials are made, before they're cut. Um, yeah, this it's a massive learning curve, but it's been really fun. Yeah, yeah, the works of art, really, when you get to see how mm. the fudge is packed, as it were, with, with shoes. Yeah. And, and also, I guess you're now, if you, ha- if you weren't before, just really noticing what people wear on their feet. Right. Oh, so, gosh. so my girlfriend uh, says, I I had this conversation with her once. I said, what do you see in a dude first when you're like looking at a dude walking down the street? What is it that typically women see? And without missing a beat, she goes, trainers, shoes, whatever, you know, whatever's on their feet. That's the first thing you clock. And then it's height. So like, the two things that <laughs> neither of which uh, I'm doing for my girlfriend. But anyway, that's another, that's another day. <laughs> but she, yeah, I would say like, oh, what do you think of my mate? We'd be having a party. She goes, well, he, he has shoes that he bought in the eighties and were last clean in the nineties. I didn't much like him, you know? So neither, she's very much focused on, on feet. So it's amazing how, how much it says about a person, isn't it? I always think that about shoes in particular. Do you, are you now of that mind? Yeah, I'm constantly looking at people's feet now. Maybe it's the desire to see a pair of Elliot's on on someone I don't know. Oh um, yeah, that'll be the day. Yeah, is it arriving? That'd be you know you've arrived in life if you if you just pass them. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so that, but constantly just really taken aback by people's shoes and just like because it's, I guess it decide describes a little bit about them right because it's a choice you know what you decide to wear on your feet is a choice and with you typically have less shoes than you have clothes so you have to probably choose your shoes more wisely um yeah but yeah i'm always 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 looking at people's shoes now and what they're wearing yeah that's it so it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I often think living in London, when I see people on the train, I look at their trainers or their shoes 
And if I see a dude wearing white trainers in particular and they're immaculate, I often think this guy is taking care of himself in more ways than one. Like he's, you know, it's not just a fluke that he's just got really clean white trainers. He's like, he's looking after that. His house is probably tidy. His car is probably spotless. You know what I mean? Cause that takes extra effort, especially living in the city to keep white midsoles clean. And so I actually bought a pair of white trainers, especially and clean those pretty much religiously every time I get them back, because I want that to be this, I want that to be this something that I commute to uh, communicate to other people is that I do pay mind and I, and I do look after myself yeah because I think that's a that's a good tell yeah maybe I think I need to I funny enough I've got the the Nate I only wear Elliot's typically now mm. so but I've got the navy blue pair that you can tell that they've been you know it's easier to keep those clean than yeah. the, than the oh God, tell me about it. Because I, I have also a uh, pigeon feet, so I can walk inwards. I try and sort it out when I'm walking, but you know, when your mind wanders, your feet, my feet especially, clunk together. Uh, so the inside of the midsoles are the first thing to go. They get knackered. So keeping uh, them clean is an extra, uh, extra added workout for me. The funny thing is, you say that, and like you know, my grandma had like toes that um, pointed inwards. Yeah, so yeah. You kind of walk inwards. It's quite an endearing straight to me in a, in a weird way <laughs> <laughs> that's good well yeah if you see me walking down the street then you'll be like oh i wonder if this guy's a nice guy yeah this guy's all right by me yeah let's go for a coffee <laughs> well sam listen thanks so much for taking time out during the day as well um for jumping on the podcast and talking about elliot footwear again the website elliotfootwear.com the place people can go um and find and by the way very accessibly priced trainers we're talking about you know how you put in all the effort to make them sustainable and, and climate positive, etc. You'd think that would come with a, a more heftier price tag, but not the case, people. Um, where people. Where can people find you on the social media, Sam? So, yeah, we're typically on Instagram, like most other brands, um, Instagram, Facebook. That's typically where we, that's where we roll. Elliot Footwear. Elliot Footwear. Um, all one word, two L's and two T's, like two feet. Great. Go and check them out. And also we'll leave all the links on the show notes over at menswearstyle.co.uk. Sam, thanks so much for coming on. Brilliant. Thanks, Peter. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to the Menswear Style podcast. Be sure to head over to menswearstyle.co.uk for more menswear content and email info at menswearstyle.co.uk if you would like to be a future guest on the show finally please help support the show by leaving a review on itunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast until next time 